0: Good day to you. I am James Langridge, the president of the British American Business Council here in Los Angeles. And we are back again today with another podcast. And this time it's on real estate. And on the line today, we have a real estate extraordinaire, Kerry White from the agency. And we have the mortgage maestro, Jason Vanderpoort himself. Uh, Kerry, please uh, take a second to introduce yourself.
1: Ah, well, thank you for the kind introduction. Uh, yes, I work at the agency. I've been there about five years now, I've been doing real estate for 17 years, which is crazy. I work with the traditional residential buyers and sellers, condos, homes on the west side in the valley, um, just first time buyers, repeat buyers, sell and buy. So uh, we work a lot with really nice people around here that need to find a home um, I've got a team with me a couple agents who work with buyers um, and yeah we're just rocking and rolling especially right now
0: wonderful to hear how yeah. about you Jason how's your day going it's going
2: great and uh, I've never been introduced as the mortgage maestro so I appreciate that I might have to steal that <laughs> like You're welcome uh days going well in these uh crazy times it is busy though um yeah my name is jason vanderport and i've been in the mortgage business since 1996. so i don't know how many years that is <laughs> so it's been a while uh,
0: you've seen quite a few changes i'm sure i was just going to say i've seen some changes i went through
2: you know some ups and some downs when rates were great when they were six and a half percent everybody loved it so um definitely seeing a lot going on um in this market. Uh, you know we'll get through just like we've been through all the rest of them, so it's very busy right now. Rates are still incredibly low, so we can talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I work for a direct lender, so and I can kind of like it's kind of like the best of all worlds. I can go through my own company or I can actually broker out if I need to. So I try to find the client the best deal. I think that's why me and Carrie work so well together because Carrie is so adamant of finding her clients the best deal for them financially, and that's why I get involved to see what we can do to help them.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jason. So tell me, it sounds like you're both very busy right now, which is fantastic, especially at the moment. Tell me more about that. Is now a good time to buy? Is it is now a good time to sell? What, what are your thoughts on that?
1: As far as buying goes, you know, the big thing is that in California, we're in a housing shortage. They would have to build four times what they're building right now to keep up. They have issues with density. We have overpopulation. The millennials now are the largest percentage of buyers ever. They're bigger than the baby boomers. So to get a house, especially here in LA, is very challenging. It's very competitive. Um, There's so many new jobs coming in with the tech industry. So buyers right now who have been struggling to find something they can afford, who have been struggling competing with other buyers, they are going in headfirst right now, and they're using every opportunity to get something, to get into a home without so much competition. So they're expecting Goldman Sachs and um, Freddie Mae, Fannie Mac. They're all expecting to have a deep V. So we'll go down in quarter two and then shoot back up drastically in quarter three and quarter four. So that's what we're expecting. As far as a seller, I'm not sh- too sure yet. I'm not seeing the deep discounts for buyers yet, maybe next month. But um, I'm saying for buyers, full steam ahead.
0: So what's your advice to them right now, Carrie? If, if people should just maintain the price, it's competitive. So you're saying people are offering more than the asking price still at the moment?
1: Yeah, it depends on where it's priced at. If it's priced low or competitively, yeah, it's usually going over. If it's been on the market while, it's usually just not priced too accurately. But we just, we're just just opening Esper on something today that it was just listed Sunday and they had 10 people come to see it. Monday with masks and gloves and everything. 10 people one That's day shelter at home and we got acceptance today.
0: Well, congratulations. Do you? What's your strategy for the next six to 12 months? Do you, Have you given it much thought ahead to see what's going to change? We're, we're seeing a lot of unemployment. Do you, how is that going to affect the way that you market your properties?
1: Um, it's a good question. I don't see us. Of course, we have the new normal, which talks about the safety protocols for how we're We're showing properties with the virtual tours, Matterport 3D, Um, and then of course, we can't do open houses anymore, so we do Instagram Live, Facebook Lives, uh, where we're really trying to be careful of the shelter in place. Of course, this will be lifted soon enough, but things will still be a little bit different. What I like about it is you're getting more serious people now you're not just getting looky-loos uh, if people want to see property they need to show their approval letter and their proof of funds and that you know in la we have a lot of looky-loos and weirdos so that's actually something that's extremely nice the tough side which jason can go into is financing so they've just eliminated 10 percent down for everybody except for chase right city, bank. city city bank so that is i mean one of the biggest things for our clients is if they're buying something that's maybe a million and a half a million to two million, their ten percent down option could save them two hundred to four hundred thousand dollars down. So with that being eliminated, we may see some changes there in the jumbo market, right
0: yeah, that's a that's a big difference there. So, jason, what what are you um what are your thoughts on that if how how are we going to strategize around that? how are we still how are you still going to be able to offer mortgages to clients who don't have the down payment?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's challenging, you know, there's a lot of lenders that pulled back or they're calling it suspending programs that they used to have Wells Fargo kind of led the charge here and then chasing a bunch of followed suit. So we're talking about jumbo loans, right? So a jumbo loan in Los Angeles County is typically any loan that's over 765,000. Right. So once you go below that, you can still do Fannie and Freddie type loans and they'll allow as low as 5% down. So those are still available. Oh, so you have a lot of clients that are buying $1 million, $2 million properties. They're going to do 10% down, right? Okay, well, if they don't have any more money, then they might have to wait, right? They're going to have to save up to that 20% down unless they can meet the guidelines of just a few lenders that are out there. We mentioned one of them being Citibank, and there's stricter guidelines, right? There's you know debt to income ratios they have to meet. They have to bring $50,000 over to that bank to open up a savings or checking account just to get that loan. Um, there are a couple other investors that are still doing it as well. They'll do like a first and a second type loan, um, but the rates are a little bit higher. So people, of course, want the best rate that they can get. But you know, sometimes if they can't get that, they might have to opt out to maybe one or two of these other lenders, assuming they can meet their qualification guidelines. And you know, we could really get deep into the weeds. Not sure if we want to do that on this type of call, but it goes into a lot of stuff like reserves and FICO credit scores and income. And and so there's a, it's a, pretty much mortgages is like a pieces to the puzzle that you kind of have to put together. The best thing you can do is just as Carrie is great at doing it, put the clients in front of a mortgage banker and really have them pre-approve them up front to make sure what they're qualified for so they can go out and figure out what they can buy and purchase, whether it's now or six months down the
0: road. That, that's great. That's very interesting. So do you expect that those restrictions to be eased? In the next six to twelve months, or do you think it's going to get stricter? That's a sixty-three thousand dollars question, right? So, right, I don't know. It's it's tough to say. I personally
2: think they're going. It's going to trickle back. I think because just like the economy, when everything reopens, I just don't think everybody's rushing to restaurants, uh, sporting events. Are people going to? You know, I'm already hearing restaurants are going to have their own social distancing within the restaurant. That's probably less turnover people not sitting as close to each other. So it's gonna affect the economy. So I think banks are gonna do the same thing. I mean, we have this whole forbearance thing, which that's a whole nother issue, right, that you get into as well. So I think they're gonna, you know, dip their toes in the water, but it could take a little bit of time. And could they constrict, it's possible, Citibank, all the board of directors could get together and say, guess what? You know, we're gonna get rid of our 10% down as well, you know, next month, who knows, right? I hope not because I have a lot of clients that love that program, but it's um, it's definitely you know one of those things that we just don't know, right? It's it's, it's hard to say. And we're still living through it, you know, here in little mid to late April, and we're not sure when we're actually reopening May fifteenth. They're saying LA County, but people think it could go farther. Who knows? We're hoping, but
0: yeah, gosh, I hope not. It's uh, it definitely is uh, a different change of pace right now, and I guess I think really what everyone is the unanswered question on the question you can't answer is what's the new normal going to look like? Oh. Um, Carrie, do you think you'll ever show a home again in person or do you think it's all going to be virtual from go- going forward?
1: It's it's different because the homes, fortunately right now that we've been selling are vacant and that is allowed. As far as, yeah. Or if, if there's families there or kids, it, it's definitely a bit of a different story or elderly. So just been lucky. There are a lot of homes, second homes being sold or investor homes flips. Um, I'm not sure what things will look like so far. It's still been busy. I don't know in two, three months from now, you know, it could look a lot different with people, but I do know people that have job transfers that are waiting to put their home up, that are asking, they have kids and they're asking, how do we do this? What do we do? So it could be a matter of doing the virtual tour, getting the, making sure, making sure they're approved and then letting people go in almost like they're in a bubble with, we give them gloves, we give them masks, they don't touch anything. They walk around and that'll be the only way they can really see the home to make sure that everybody is safe involved because the problem is real estate is essential. The roof over their heads, it can't be determined based on the economy or what's happening. It's people's livelihood. You know, they need somewhere to come home to. They have reasons to be moving. There's death, divorce. Could you imagine being shelter in place with somebody you're getting divorced with? That would be pretty rough. <laughs> so you, you see there is a, my like, owner of my company actually brought that up on a meeting. be um, a
2: movie about that.
1: <laughs> exactly. There, yes. Yeah. Funny movies coming out after all this. So there's definitely a need that can't can't just be shelter in place. You know, people have to move. So.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's always the way with housing that people break apart, get together, families grow, move, everything. So I totally understand that. But given this climate, do you think people, we're going to see more LA is a lot of renters in Los Angeles, and it could be just because of the down payment is so expensive or a multitude of other reasons. Do you expect the rental market to increase because of this? Is there anything that people should be, th- so for someone who's renting right now and thinking, should they be saving to buy a house or should they just run with it for now and continue to rent? What is your advice, both of you guys? What's your advice to them for that? Oh, here we go first. Then.
1: Always buy. And the, well, the reason, not because I sell real estate. The reason is, you know you think if you're a renter right now and you can't pay your rent and you're trying to take advantage of these helpful programs but if you're doing it in the wrong way if you don't pay your rent and then the owner doesn't pay their mortgage you're left homeless so if you're the owner of the home you can always control the fact that you have a shelter over your head and if you own multiple properties right now you can always sell one or two of them but the thing is when you're a renter you don't have control you don't have rights you don't have a guarantee and if you're paying a low rent and this owner needs to move in or sell it, and then you can't afford other rents elsewhere. Again, you become homeless, you have to move out of the area. So I think it's important to get your foot in the door with something purchase wise. The other important thing to note is that 67% of American homeowners have equity in their homes. I believe it's like 30 something percent have zero mortgage, so they own them outright. So there's a lot of wealth and a lot of equity that homeowners in America are sitting on. So could you imagine in these situations, being able to use that money, you know, pulling out money from your house or just mm. having that safety net, you're never guaranteed that as a renter ever. So that's my, a,
0: that's a great point.
1: Yeah. yeah. Jason. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No, I think Carrie definitely nailed it on the head. There's, there's a lot of people doing cash out refinances to get through these tough times. Right. So. Um, you know, banks are doing their due diligence, but if you have that equity, which a lot of people have equity, as she mentioned, they can pull that out and get through these tough times. You can't do that as a renter. Right. So, and, and it's just, it's kind of a proven model. If you look back in history, homeowners build wealth, right? So in being in Los Angeles too, there are, you know, some people, they should rent, they need to rent. Not everybody needs to be a homeowner. Not everybody's responsible enough, not everybody, you know, has the, um, wherewithal, uh, maybe they get there though. If they get, you know, some good education and training. Um, I think a lot of times too, rents are very high in Los Angeles, right? So a lot of times people could be renting for three, four, five, six thousand dollars. Like, wait, you should be owning a property. Let's look at that. So there's all kinds of tools we can look at. You know, rent versus buy flyer. You can see, okay, if you own a property, is the payment the same as your rent? You oh, know, it is okay. Oh, and maybe it's a starter home, which sounds expensive everywhere else across the country, but maybe it's six, seven hundred thousand dollars. But they can do an FHA government loan with three and a half percent down or five percent down you know they can save that probably rather quickly and then they can get into a home with a lower down payment is, assuming they qualify but there's a lot of different ways of looking at it versus a lot of people just get frustrated and say, oh I will never be able to buy you know but you know people that they can save a little bit and still get into the market and then they build that wealth and they sell that property to buy into another property so it's a lot of different ways of looking at it and you just got to put on those those you know rose colored glasses and make sure you're looking at it correctly too and i think somebody that's great is like Carrie that explains that to people. And sometimes, I mean, we've worked with clients together and they don't buy for three years. It's like, time flies, like, wow, it's been three years, the next thing you
0: know, they're buying. But we got in that position, right? So. That's great. (laughs) That's great. Um, Like I said, I've I've known Kerry for a long time and I know you've done this for a long time. So I'm sure you have customers from from way back up until now. Um, You brought up an interesting point any advice to people right now, homeowners and renters? uh, We're hearing on the news, talk about deferring your payments, speak to your mortgage company, speak to the banks, speak to your landlords. I'm sure you've had some questions fielded to you about this. What's your advice? Is it best just to keep paying it? Because ultimately, you're going to have to pay your rent and mortgage at some point.
2: Yeah, so that's, it's a tough question, you know. If you really can't make your payments, that's what it's there for. That's the point. But if you can make your payments, you should make your payments. What I'm hearing, and this just came out today, it was breaking news. That, so what was happening here in the mortgage world is there's what's called servicers, right? So basically, an example is Wells Fargo does the loan, and then there's another party company that services the loan. So when you make your mortgage payments, you pay it to Mr. Cooper or ABC Servicer. So these servicers are getting hit hard because what happens is when Somebody that owns a property doesn't make that payment. That servicer still has to make that payment to the investor. So now they're caught with liquidity problems because they have to pay all this money when the money's not coming in. So what's happening is the FHFA, the uh, GSEs, government entities, sponsored entities are stepped in and finally said, "Okay, well, we'll give you forbearance, you servicers for four months. So you just need to flip the bill for four months. And then after that, we will save you will jump in before they didn't know it was it could have gone wrong for a year we don't know so that's helping our liquidity a lot because what would happen is if they did jump in these servicers could go belly up and then you're gonna have a lot of problems with mortgage backed securities and, and things could just go and you're talking about not lending that's when you're not lending anymore because the bank's going to go why am i going to give you a loan you're not going to pay me back and banks are not in the business of holding on to properties they don't like short sales reos that's foreclosures that's not what they're in the business for so I tell people, if you can make your payments, please make your payments. And James, you bring up a good point. If you're not going to make it now, you're going to have to make it. It's, it's, and I tell people to call their servicer to figure out how they're going to do it because there was rumors that you had to pay it. Let's say you had a forbearance for four months in a row and then f- fifth month comes up, you can make your payment. You got your job back. People are like, oh, my God, you'd make a balloon payment. So four payments into you know, five payments in one month. Okay? Nobody can do that. It's not going to happen. So they're basically probably going to tack it on to the end of the loan on the principal, but then they might say, okay, or there's a, p- a payment plan. We'll increase your mortgage you know, for the next 12 months by this amount, and it'll be paid off by then." type of thing. So there's different ways they can look at it, but the one thing I'm hearing, and I still do not have any clarification on this, and this is very important actually, Carrie, I was gonna tell you about this. I just heard this about an hour before we got on the call is That right now, if you have a a person that owns a property and let's say they do a forbearance for three months and then they want to refi eight months down the road or they want to sell it and then buy a property. The banks are saying, even though when you do a forbearance, it will not affect your credit score, but they're going to treat it as a missed mortgage payment. So that means that in the typical lending world, you cannot, they will not give you a loan for 12 months from that last missed mortgage payment. So I guarantee you people will be in up arms and upset if this happens because then you got a person wants to sell and they can't buy and they got to wait 12 months from May till next May or whatever it may be when they miss that payment. So we're trying to get, we're trying to get more um, clarification on that. We just don't know. And that's, that's kind of the new thing that's going on right now. It's scary when you think about it.
1: That's very scary. They were talking about that at our agency meeting that was at one thirty today about that. So I was going to talk to you about that. <laughs> but, um, you know, I feel like it's a way to encourage people that can make their payments to make their payments. Yeah. Um, you know, if people, you know yeah, if people are really struggling right now, they probably won't be in a position to buy. But it's, yeah, that's a little scary. Scary. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: So I, I mean, uh, th- yeah, that's very interesting. So. Let's talk about that a little bit more. It's one thing missing a mortgage payment, I understand that. And I guess, you know, especially with what's going on, this is, no one's ever experienced what we're going through right now. But everyone in America has credit score. And that's possibly going to take a hammering right now as well. How much is that going to count towards a bank or a lender making a decision in the next few months Let's say there are some they take, people take a hit on their credit, they're using their credit cards more, their, their, their debt ratio is up. Is, that gonna, is there going to be some sort of forgiveness from the banks when, when deciding on giving a, a loan or a mortgage, do you think? So my guess is probably
2: not. They're going to keep their guidelines as their guidelines. So, if, you know, I, I think what they're saying to everybody is it's not going to hurt your credit score if you miss a payment. So your scores will still be good. But you bring up a good point, James, is your debt to income ratios and qualifying. So if somebody's maxing their credit cards, it's going to hurt your credit score because the more you're maxed out, then your core score drops, you know, say from a 780 to a 720 or whatever it may be. And then you might not be able to fall within those guidelines of certain loan programs. So yeah, if you're, they're going to max themselves out, then, it, then they, might, they might just have to wait. I don't think banks are going to loosen up for that, to be, you know, to be honest with you. Um, so but the people like like Carrie was saying they like the forbearance cuz they came out right away and say it's not going to affect your credit that's great but then they kind of are thinking wow a lot of people are doing this forbearance that really shouldn't be doing this forbearance and so people are taking advantage of that the people that need it they need it and they're probably not going to be in a position to buy anyway they got to clean themselves up they got to be back in that position right. cuz our job is to really be there as advocates for people to build wealth and get into a property that makes sense for them. And if they need to get out, then guess what? We wait a year or two. That's fine. Get you and your family in the right position. It's not about just selling real estate and doing mortgages for now. We look at the long haul to really put these people in good positions. That's why we've been doing it probably for a while and have a lot of referral business. So you know, like I said, some people just need to take a little bit more time. You know, not just force it down their throats. That's what happened in the 2008 crisis. Banks were giving loans to pretty much anybody that <laughs> you know, had a pulse in a credit score, and it was like you know zero down and you know, interest only and negam loans. And then all of a sudden you know, they wonder why we have the housing bubble. So this is different. This isn't a liquidity crisis per se with the mortgage industry. This is a health crisis pandemic. that's hurt everybody, you know, because they can't go to work. So this is, this is more to me kind of like a 9-11 type of thing. So we will open up, as Kerry mentioned earlier, we have the V curve. I think it was Goldman Sachs, JPMorgan Chase, and another uh, big institution we're talking about that. Some are talking about the V-curve, which means, you know, we'll get back up to where we were in Q3, maybe Q4. And then there's some banks that think we'll do more of a U-curve and we'll kind of trickle it up a little bit. We'll still get there, but it's going to be more of a U-curve. So nobody knows. We just got to live through it. <laughs> yeah. It, but we just got to live through it.
0: Carrie?
1: No, I heard the same thing. My husband was on a Zoom, um, Zoom call with the broker, Jesse Rodriguez, and actually Tom Ferry was on that. Tom Ferry. And they were talking about the V curve and the U curve. That's kind of what all the economists are saying that they're predicting, which these are all the same economists that predicted the reset, the housing recession in 08, 09. These aren't just people that are saying real estate's great. They predict the ups and the downs and have predicted the negative times that happened back then. And they're all saying that things are going to drop, but they're going to be very, very busy and the market's going to be very good afterwards. I think we're just dealing with overpopulation and lack of building is our, and yeah, I mean, these baby boomers that had all these millennials, which I'm a millennial too, but it's a bigger population. And when you've got, not to be political, but you've got governors that won't approve building and density bonuses, then we just get stuck. Like we need more space. We need more space to live. We're more people now. And they're just missing that at the top for some reason. So I don't think there's going to be any type of crash. you know it's not super affordable to live in l a as it is, and I feel like if you don't get in now, it's going to be even more challenging if your income is not increasing, especially if they're wiping out twenty percent ten percent down loans
2: yeah, and I think Carrie mentions a good point there because real estate, as we know is hyper local, so in the areas that you're selling you know real estate uh from what I've heard is they said. Because as Carrie mentioned earlier about supply and demand, that, that demand is there, but that supply is not there. So they're, like she said, four times behind building. I think somebody, I heard the some statistic that if 30% of the buyers dropped out today, which that could be due to everything going on, 30% drop out, you're still not going to have enough supply for them to get in. So it's still going to be competitive. So that's the prices remain the same. And I did a, a webinar a few days ago where if you look at there's recessions, actually a lot of times in recessions, prices go up. On properties. If you ever you can actually Google that and see prices on a recession go up. I think the only time the prices on homes went down was I believe uh, nineteen ninety-one.
1: Yeah, I've got a graphic I can share with you.
2: It's a great graph. A lot of people don't know that. They think recession home prices go down. And so when they look at that, they go,
0: Whoa, they actually go up. Do you do you think there'll ever be and this is a hard question. Well, maybe it's not. Do you think there'll ever be an oversupply of houses in LA? In LA. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: don't know. Unless the virus wipes people out.
0: I don't think Well, hopefully that. not. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Um, right.
1: The, the only reason, and at first when this was happening, a lot of, some people were saying, you know, maybe this is helping with the overpopulation. Maybe this is what this is supposed to happen. This is like, you know, the profits or something crazy. But unless they start building, I mean, look in Santa Monica, how many places have an ocean view? I'm looking. I'm looking at rooftops. I'm on the fourth floor. Looking at rooftops out here right now. You know, it's there's a lot of. It's not New York City around here, which not saying we want it to be, but it's all building. So I have
0: a. I have some questions for you guys. We have got some uh, questions that have have been handed over to me.
1: Um, Ready. Out of me. From the fans, questions. We're ready. Lots
0: of yeah. (laughs) You both have many fans. I couldn't believe it. You've even got more fans than me. Who knew? Never. I thought was my wife and my kid. <laughs> right. Well, I know they love you. Um, so I, I have a question. So I have a friend who uh, stages homes, okay, and the shelter in place has, has disrupted their business immensely. Yeah. In your opinion, um, how important is it to have a home staged when, in, just to remain competitive in the market and to really get for a seller to get the money they really want for the property? How important is it to sh- to to stage the house and how is that being affected right now
1: it's very important um staged homes sell i believe 65 percent faster than non-staged homes and the reason why that is we're in a different era right now we are in pinterest uh everybody wants their home to look like west elm and pottery barn and everybody is sharing the home that they're buying with their friends they want it to look good so there is no normal anymore of just puffing the pillows. They want everything to look perfect. And as Leslie Appleton Young, who's the CEO, I think of of CAR, she said, it's a Pinterest premium is what they've called it. So people pay more if the property looks like it could be on Pinterest. So as far as staging, it's it's critical, even even versus a vacant home. We've seen stats that if you have vacant a vacant home with beautiful photos, it still doesn't sell as quick or for as much money as the staged home. With the shelter-in-place, it's definitely challenging for stagers. Um, again, it goes it works with vacant homes. Um, we're socially distancing, seeing up a, a new listing on Monday, and she wants to stage it. So she's asking us the same question. It's like, well... Are you willing to move most of your things out and maybe get a hotel or possibly move to your next home quicker? Because it's going to be hard to, I mean, you can't stage it, and quarantine it and come back. So it's going to be a bit, bit of a challenge, but we haven't really seen it yet. I did hear on the office meeting today that a stager wouldn't pick up their furniture from a house because of shelter in place. But I think for the most part, uh, we haven't seen the effects of that yet, but staging is very important regardless.
0: Thank you. Um <laughs> Jason, that's not really your field, so I'm not going to ask you the same question. Sure. But, but but I do have a question for both of you, and we'll start with you on this one, Jason. Um, routine is important in everybody's lives, mm-hmm. um, whether you're selling or not, or in business or not. Everyone's routine has changed right now. We've had to find a new routine. A lot of people who are up and out and outside a lot are now at home. How has that affected you and how much how important to you is to, was it to find a new routine? Wow, <laughs> that's a good question. Uh, it's affected me quite a bit, actually. Um, it's
2: great, though. I'm kind of looking at it as a blessing in disguise because I get to spend more time with my family. But um, it's tough, you know, because there's a lot of times when, you know, clients can only talk at certain times um, to be on the phone, you know, got emails pouring in, you know, in real estate transactions, things move fast and you got to be on top. So, you know, texts and emails and calls. So we've got a little two-year-old that um, demands a lot of our time because school's, school's out, right? So we've got to kind of juggle. As I said earlier, my, my wife has her own business, too. So she's busy just as well. So we kind of flip-flop. we kind of come up with a system that works for us to where, you know, I might do the morning shift into his nap and then she'll do the afternoon shift. And so, you know. And I'm still working sometimes if he's downstairs. I feel bad, but like iPad. Here's the iPad, <laughs> I'll do some work, you know. But it's been, it's been tough, you know. It's it's you're definitely, I, I think, when we come through all of this, I think a lot of people are probably going to be very, very good at time management <laughs> because of all this that they've crunched into, like, you know, with all this pressure, like, wow, now I'm back out into the real world. I could do more than I used to do. Maybe I was lazy. Before. I don't know. Like that's the way my personal that I'm feeling because it's like, gosh, how am I able to get all this? Thing? You just got to do it. You just have no choice. You just got to push through. So it's definitely taking a toll on us. And I believe you know, we'll have a nice glass of wine at the end of the night, just to relax because we need it. <laughs> it's uh, you know, because it's been uh, you know, one of those you know, challenging days, but we're very thankful we have jobs. We know a lot of people are going through a lot of difficult challenges and times right now. So, we look at that as like hey we're not we don't want to complain we just got to do it go through it of course we're human it's going to be tough but yeah we definitely had to you know you know restructure a lot of stuff and it's hard not seeing family not seeing your parents not seeing your brothers and sisters and you know friends so you know that makes it challenging too you know your sanity so we try to do zoom calls and happy hours and and you know family calls and how's everybody doing type of stuff too i think
1: that's important
0: it's a great answer thank you how about you, Kerry? My new normal. (laughs) Your new routine.
1: Well, trying to find at-home workouts was probably my only. (laughs) I'm a big workout junkie. So finding all these little apps and not knowing what you're in for, you get ready for a class and it's totally opposite. But um, I find it's a time to really buckle down into being grateful because, hey, we get to work from home, which is, you know, can be a lot easier in some ways than getting up, getting dressed, going to the office every day, and dealing with all that, so I find for anybody who's i don't know not appreciative of of that opportunity, it's one thing like we could be sick, we could be in hospitals, we could be caring for people who are sick um it's a good chance to upgrade your house afterwards if you're not <laughs> happy during your children in place, but our lives we have it much easier than you know maybe our parents or our grandparents who who fought in the wars and people who have served for us, you know there's firefighters my One of my best friends, sister is a nurse, um, you know, dealing with COVID patients day in, day out, working these 40, 50 hour shifts with one mask. And, you know, my heart just goes out to people like that. So it's definitely not a time for feeling entitled. You know, I just feel really, really grateful. I'm not just BSing that saying this like i j- i have not complained like, sometimes i'm like i just need some space i need a girlfriend but it's really just a little bit of venting like overall like it's a it's a time to be very appreciative of our our lives and our health and what we do have and it's i when this is all lifted and we get to go to restaurants and happy hours and hug our friends it's, it's gonna be like bananas it's gonna be like disneyland <laughs> vegas will come to la at that point
0: it's gonna be fun i think, I think you might be right um <laughs> I, I love that and yeah routine is uh we all need it so that's great that's a great answer um jason
1: Get an accountability buddy i guess right now in the mor- for your morning like do extra meditation or extra time frame connect with somebody be accountable but make a, an extra effort on your like morning mindset i think uh, i
0: love that do you, do you meditate
1: um i try to
0: <laughs> do you use do you prefer guided meditation or do you just meditate what's yeah, your preference
1: the Breathe app. Uh, they do guided ones and you can do it for weight loss, losing a loved one, relationships, anxiety, focus, sleep. It's, it's a cool one. I think it's like a hundred bucks for the year. I love it. Oh,
0: wonderful. Jason, do you meditate? <laughs> uh, I try to at times. Yeah. Very I nice. If I could do a better job. <laughs> hey, we all could, but it's the attempt that you're making. That's the biggest part of it. Yeah. So I congratulate you. Um, Jason, what's your definition of, su- of success? So that's a good question, and my I, I think and let's see if I could do this.
2: I'm, I'm kind of drawing a blank here because before the definition of success was kind of like how you are successful with your work and your income, but there's a term that I've heard, and I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Where success, well, success versus significance. So success typically is measuring of the things that you do to make you successful significance is making a difference in people's lives and helping them and how you become significant and add value to them. So I used to sometimes answer like, oh, I'm successful when I'm helping other people. But really, no, my personal uh, take is I'm successful from the things I've built from the hard work that I've done. But sometimes I like to be significant just as much or more than successful because that leads to the success of help. Being significant is in significance that you're helping people get to their home or or you know, just helping your family with whatever it may be, right? So it's kind of an interesting question you put because I've just thought about that as of recent, but my definition is switched on.
0: Oh, I love that. So um, it's almost like if you're being of service to someone that makes you, that exactly. deems, I love that, that's great. It's kind of like, how do you become happy? Well, if you find things that you're grateful for and thankful for, it's a path to happiness. Very interesting. How about you, Kerry?
1: Like Jason said, good question. Jason, you're very significant. <laughs> very significant in my world, our clients' worlds. So thank you. Um, yeah, I agree. It's really about, you know, we can't all be of service. We're not service providers. But, but I look at the like a bike wheel, the spokes, and all the areas in your life, whether it's health, um, your career, your friendships, your relationships, uh, your physical body, your spirituality, when all those are full that to me defines success because there are times where you just dive yourself into your career but maybe you're not you're not present in your relationship or i mean there's times in my career where i've been so busy that it's hard for me to pick up the phone and call my mom or i'm like late to dinner and those those are times i definitely learned like you know get it together uh you've got nothing without your people so to me success is having all those spokes full and having a car that can drive well with those full tires Um, and just trying to be a little bit better every day, trying to be a better person to others and, um, just being a really honest, ethical agent and friend and just trying to be the best and not taking other things personally. So you can just keep being a better part of this society. That to me is success.
0: No, I love that. Um, so I have one more question in kind of that, that kind of frame, um, you know, we don't always start out as kids and think in, in the future what we want to be. I, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to sell copiers for the rest of my life. But hey, that's what I do. Um, of it. Did you think you do you think you found this role because this is what you've always wanted to do? Or is this more of something that you've found you mm-hmm. and you've adopted it and now you own it? I'm going to ask you first, Kerry.
1: I did not dream of being a real estate agent. I don't know. I started young with my dad and I guess I just kind of rolled into it. And um, it's it's more, I always wanted to be some kind of public speaker or uh, performer of some kind. So I get a little bit of that in being an agent because of all the marketing and videos. So I do get a little bit of that performance and I speak at events and give back and so there is a little bit about of that that I've adapted in real estate, but it's definitely a career where you can take it all different ways as far as the investment side and team building, because I'm, I'm good with clients. The team side has been an interesting thing to learn the last four or five years. Jason knows the many assistants. <laughs> like, oh, hi, nice to meet you. You're working with Carrie. I'm like, thank you for always being so positive. <laughs> um so it's a whole different side of it so it's it's a career that takes many shapes and it will continue to change as we're going into this technological era. now we're going into this new world so i think it's it's a career that it has so many different facets and it's taught me so much about myself and my life and it brought me to my husband my career too so things are only getting better but yeah not something i dreamed of being when i was young
0: (laughs) got it i understand great and how about you jason yeah it
2: was definitely nothing i thought of either (laughs) you know i was uh Graduated college and wasn't sure, you know, okay, well, what I'm going to do now because I actually went to school. I was going to originally be a physical therapist, that was the plan, right? So I took all the classes, did all that, and then I did some internship at a UC San Diego Medical Center and figured, oh, I don't think I want to do this. So, kids, do internships, it'll tell you if you really want to do the job or not. It helps. Um, right. and so I graduated college, like, well, what am I going to do? So I waited the tables for a little bit and talked to one of my really good friends and said, hey, my brother's a mortgage broker. He's all, he's looking for an assistant. Would you like to, you know, try it out? I'm all sure. I'm all, but what do you mean mortgage broker? I thought if people got a home loan, they just walked into their bank. So no, there's a whole different world out there. And and I learned it and kind of just fell into it. Kind of like you said, adopted me and just, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with all the people uh, you know, kind of, I love being around people talking to people and it was just like, wow, this is actually really cool. And you can actually make a good living doing this and have some fun with it course there's some crazy times you go through but it, it can be fun um in the restless history you kind of just kind of launched from there and you know now we're, here we are 2020 no oh, <laughs> i love it <going> anywhere
0: no i got what great answers it's uh it's funny that they said there's three kinds of roles there's a job a career or a calling now i don't know if mortgage Selling is a calling and selling houses a calling or selling copiers is a calling. But mm-hmm. it, it sounds like we all have the similar thing in common that we all we all deal with people and we're good with people. And maybe that's the thing that excites. Does that excite you working with people? Is that the exciting, most exciting part of the role for both of you?
1: Oh yeah. It's definitely the people. And whenever when I send people over to Jason, it's always like, this person is awesome. You're going to love them. They're like this person, they're referred from this person. And like when we have super awesome clients and they refer us other awesome clients, it just makes our day. It makes things so much easier when they call and they're thankful or they, they're shy about their questions versus those people that just don't trust you. Don't want to put their deposit in escrow, the nightmare people, which luckily I don't get many of them anymore, but yeah.
0: That's always, that's good. It's just very nice and refreshing to hear. Um, Okay. So going back to the housing, specifically housing, um, people are going to be watching the market now 6 months 12 months we talked about different things that we can be doing but is there is there a couple what's your Is there a couple of things people can be doing specifically in preparation if people are saving their money keep saving it for that dream home don't give up don't give up on your, anything that comes to mind that you could specifically tell the listeners today
1: yeah oh, <laughs> Jason, on like the the financial side, because a lot of times people need to be set up much sooner. So thoughts on savings yeah. and what to the seven deadly sins of, of loans?
2: Yeah. Like? So I think the first and foremost thing is definitely just have people, a lot of people seem to be scared for whatever the reason may be to talk about their finances. And I get it, but they're afraid to talk about it. And to dive in and so i try to make them feel as comfortable as possible and i tell people it's just all free consultation sometimes it's almost easier when they talk to somebody like me that they don't know versus my friend's friend or you know that they know rather well like dive into their their finances i've done loans for friends and i sometimes that's the toughest loan yeah because you not that it's a hard loan but it's like you're dealing with somebodys many finances and like it's a different level of getting to know somebody you really know all their personal stuff so um but I just think that people, if they can, you know, feel comfortable and confident to get over that, they should dive in and look at their finances, whether they're good or bad, just to figure out where they're at now. And then we help them structure to get it down the road. And they might not have to save as much as they think. They might not. A lot of people think they have to they'll go, oh, Jason, you know, I'll talk to you in six months. I want to pay off all my debt. Hold on a second. You mm-hmm. might not have to pay off all this. Matter of fact, you could hurt yourself. You could pay off all this debt, save all this money, pay off this debt. And now you have no money for a down payment or not enough for the down payment for that right house that you want, that you actually qualify with your income on so many intricacies that are involved on this. So I always tell people, uh, real estate agents, you know, great ones like Carrie that I work with, please have your clients if they want to do it, talk to the mortgage professional as soon as possible, the earlier, the better. And then we can figure out where it is. Like I said earlier, it could be one year from now, two years. But it's not, it doesn't matter the time frame. just figure out where you're at. A lot of people are thankful for that and we help them structure that. And a lot of people too, you run their credit and go, oh my God, my credit's not, I thought it was so much better. Okay, well, let's, we know a great you know, credit repair company. Let's get you involved. Let's get them, get that credit score up so we can get you in a better spot. A lot of people, they might be, it happened to me personally. I was a victim of identity theft. I had no idea. I went to go buy a car. I'm a, whoa, I was a victim of identity theft. It took me eight months
0: to clear it up. Wow, oh, that's incredible. How, I, you never know until you look, I guess. Kerry, how about you? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well, as far as it's, it's really about getting your finances in order and saving and looking at what you need to pay off if you don't need to pay it off, Uh, looking at your credit. Uh, There's so many times people just don't realize, they think I don't wanna speak to somebody until I'm ready to buy a house. But Jason, the lender is the most important part before they even start shopping. It's not about what they want, it's really where their financials are because what they want to purchase is about their monthly payment. It's not about the price tag on it. So we need to look at what their comfort level is there and, and how to get there. And there's people now that are doing things like gifts from family members, and so they need to know how long the funds need to be in the account, or they're moving money around. Um, so it's it's important to make sure you're prepared. So preparation is the biggest thing, and then watching better ways to make your credit tip top for when it's time to get the loan.
0: Very cool. Good. That's great advice. Um, we're we're coming to be- I don't know if you guys heard of this term. It's called the five P's. or this in college? Prior. Planning prevents poor performance. Right. So is it fail to prepare, prepare to fail,
1: right? I love
0: it. Very good. So we're coming to the end of this, um, but I have a a question I ask most of the guests. And so I'm going to ask it to both of you. Um, At some point, we're going to come out of COVID-19. We're all going through it right now. It's affecting everybody in a different way. We are going to get through it. There are lights at the end of the tunnel and we're running towards it and there's going to be a new normal. What is your message of positivity that you can give to the listeners on what it's going to be like when we come out on the other side of this? Jason.
2: Whew, that's a very good question. Very solid. <laughs> um, you know, I just tell people to hang in there, you know, stay positive. Don't always hear, you know, which, don't always listen to how I put this. Don't always believe what you hear. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on that, you know, you kind of got to not maybe always watch the news much enough to understand it, but you know, um, definitely just try to, you know, be positive in, you know, whether that's, I think Carrie mentioned great earlier, with that wheel and that spoke in your spirituality and your family and your work life and try to stay as balanced as you can, as hard as it is. And I think just be grateful and thankful. And I think if you have that right attitude, as many people have read books, right, that are successful books, the self help books. A lot of it has to do with your enthusiasm, and your energy, and your positivity. And you'll get through this, right?
0: That, um, that would be, that would be my, my two cents. Oh, I love that. How about you, Kerry?
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Uh, my goal, what is it, Tuesday today? Yeah, yesterday, when I was Sunday, when I was thinking about what was going on, and I'm not, I don't watch the news regularly. I think it's just like a mind suck and it's so biased, but I have been recently and it's been interesting. I'm like, this channel says one thing and the other channel says something that's completely opposite, but they're talking about the same. But I was like, what is wrong with the world? But in hearing all that and everything they're doing, like open, open up the economy, keep it closed. Everyone's got an opinion based on what they're doing. So if they can't feed their kids and they need to go back to work to do that, then they're going to obviously want want the economy reopened. But if there's someone who works from home that's scared of getting sick, they're not going to want the economy reopen and they're going to be mad at the people that do. And you're getting this like hate and this negativity. And I think the focus is for people to be empathetic and just to know that everybody's going through something different. They're probably not sharing it with you. They're not, like they're not sharing their finances up front. They don't want to share what they're really going through, how they may be hurting. Maybe they have loved ones that are hurting, whether they're going into debt right now, or maybe they're doing really well and getting bonuses. But this situation is impacting everyone around the world so differently. So I think we need to just be easy on each other right now and understanding of both sides of the coin and just ease into this with a lot of empathy is, is my big word for getting through this.
0: Oh, I love that. That's great. Great answers. Wonderful. Thank you. I think mine, I I mentioned this once before is having a, a, being grateful for the things that we have, I have young children and it's been it's been challenging at times, but we have certainly all become more grateful for the things that we have rather than the things that we want, because we don't necessarily need them. And we have a lot. Everyone has a lot. And you really realize that right now and family and everything else is so important right now. So wonderful answers. Thank you, guys. You know, we're coming to the end. I just want to thank you again. Kerry White, thank you so much. Jason Vanderport, thank you so much for being on on the podcast today. Uh, My name is James Langridge. You've been listening to another BABC LA podcast. Tune in again soon, and there'll be another one. Thank Thank you. you.